1: Welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. And a few weeks ago, Sarah Von Bargen and I had this brilliant conversation. It was remarkable. It was lovely. It was witty. It was charming. It was magical. And then Zencaster ate it. It just, <laughs> it was, it's gone forever. Like Bear is a DJ. And he was like, this audio can't be saved. Um, <laughs> so we're trying again, because I don't like to ask the same questions twice. So uh, we are going to talk about money. Yeah. And- I know you'd rather not as a listener, because if one more person like Susie Orman tells you to cut out lattes, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, I, yes, I, I can't. So Sarah, if you just promise to not talk about cutting out lattes, we no, can.
2: or I mean, we can talk about why I don't think that's good advice, but yeah, it's I'm not, perfect. I'm not here to shame you for um, your financial <laughs> choices that bring you joy.
1: Right. And Susie Orman gets on her private fucking plane and says right. not have your latte. And I'm like, but my joy is in the latte.
2: Yes. Um, yes.
1: So we're gonna talk a lot about bank boost. And before you wonder, I am not an affiliate. I do not make dollars from talking with Sarah. She is just to get all Abby Wambach on it, like in my fucking wolf pack. So It's I true. It's true. That's it. That's all that's happening. So if you're like, but how much money do you make? I'm like, nothing nothing. Like I took the class last time and I was like, this is amazing. Tell people about this. I don't want to talk to people about money. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell me, um, tell me why that's bad advice to start and then we'll go backwards and talk about you and money and the intro and how you got there. Sure.
2: Sure. Um, what I have found personally and what I think most people who go through my money classes have found is that the issue is not with the latte that you buy on Saturday and you drink it while you sit in the park and you people watch and you you know go window shopping and you catch up with your best friend. That's not a problem. That that latte that you bought on purpose, the flavor that you ordered on purpose, the small, adorable, charming coffee shop that you purchased it from on purpose, that's not the problem. The problem, and we all have some version of this, the problem is the latte that we buy on autopilot that we get at the drive-through from the coffee shop that we really feel like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't be supporting this, this company. Um, that's that, uh, the latte that's honestly pretty subpar um, that we drink as we sit in traffic, that brings us no joy. That's the problem. The problem is not, is not the latte that we buy on purpose that brings us joy. The problem is the latte that we buy out of habit and on autopilot. And just substitute the word latte for, for anything else. Yes. For for like the clothes on the clearance rack at Target that we buy because like, eh, it's fine. I need some new work shirts. Like you deserve work shirts that you love that make you feel amazing. And sometimes those work shirts are on the clearance rack um, but a lot of times they're not. So the issue again, it's not with the the latte that you bought on purpose. It's with the latte, the throw pillows, the discounted clothing, the um, subscription services that we all, myself included, that we all sign up for. We don't realize that we that they're going to start charging us after the first thirty day sample period, and then eight months later we realize we've given them hundreds of dollars you know, like that, that is not the problem. Yeah, the problem is
1: you can't get back. Cause like you signed up for it and you didn't cancel and damn
2: it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the problem is not the latte you bought on purpose. The problem is the latte. And by you, I mean, all of us, yeah. the problem is the stuff that we buy on autopilot without thinking about it, without really asking ourselves, like, does this make me happy? Am I doing this on purpose? Yeah,
1: that's a beautiful way to think about it. Um, I used to be horribly addicted to buying books, like hundreds of dollars a month easily. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was like, but the library though.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And also like, it sounds sort of counterintuitive, but the more we use our libraries, the better it is for them. So like, um, the way nonprofits work and the way, you know, public funding works is when you can demonstrate that your service is being used by taxpayers, you get more money for it. So as as strange as it sounds, like not only are you saving yourself hundreds of dollars, you are benefiting your community by using your library, by using the interlibrary loan system, by requesting that they order books that you know are um, coming out soon. So not only are you saving money, you're benefiting everyone in your community by using those free resources.
1: And it's so good. I feel like a burglar every time I walk out. I'm I like,
2: know. Books. I'm like, this was
1: free. This. I was know. Free.
2: <laughs> yes, there's some meme that I saw about how, like, if libraries didn't exist and like AOC tried to propose them in 2019, the Republicans would never let it through. They'd be like, that's socialism. Free books that anybody can read, right. educate yourself for
1: free. What? <laughs> education at no charge that's horrible yes
2: yeah and and also public libraries have so many services that we don't know about um if anybody's listening and they know linda um it's a it's a program or a software i've never used it to be totally transparent but it's um i believe it's an online learning platform that teaches a bunch of uh courses sort of corporate courses like project management and learning how to use spreadsheets effectively and if you in a lot of public libraries the public library has a a membership to Linda. And if you have a library card, you can use it for free. So you can get professional training for free. A lot of libraries have um, uh, passes to go to museums that you check out. Um, There are movies, there are DVDs. There are so many things that you can use. Like my libraries um, have free scanners. And if I went to Kinko's, it can cost you. If you have a bunch of photos to scan or documents, it can end up costing you you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks to scan stuff, or you can just go to your library for free.
1: Yes. Oh, this is so delightful. Everyone go to your library, please. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let's come back to, um, I've always known you when you lived in the States and you were really good at money, but how did you get to be good at money and where did this come from?
2: Okay. Well, I would say it's a combination of nurture and nature. Um, So (laughs) I, um, Uh, my parents were public school teachers for their entire careers, um, in the second poorest county of Minnesota. Um, so think about how much a public school teacher makes, (laughs) and think about how much they would make in a rural school district. Um, but I never thought about that because we always had a, a good life. Like, you know, I grew up on a, in a, four bedroom house on a lake and we had multiple cars and we would go for vacations every summer. You know, we went to the grand Canyon. We would take these like two, three, four week, week road trips. And all of that sounds, that sounds like you have to have a really big income to to have what I just described. Mm -hmm. And my parents topped out at making 50 grand each, which, you know, is nothing to sneeze at, but in the grand scheme of income and a family of four and supporting the life that I just described to you, that sounds sort of, surprising. Um, but honestly they just made the sort of stuff that I teach in my money courses, they lived it. Like the vast majority of the, of the produce we ate came from the garden. Um, most of the meat I'm vegetarian, but most of the meat that the rest of my family ate was literally animals that my dad hunted or fish that my dad caught. Mm -hmm. Um, when we would take these huge road trips, we were usually camping. Um, the cars that my parents owned, they bought with cash And then drove into the ground. So a lot of these things that, you know, that Dave Ramsey teaches, I lived as a, as a child. And I didn't really put together because a lot of teachers have summer jobs Mm -hmm. or, you know, they coach on the side and my parents never did that. And I would see their friends, um, you know, the other teachers were, you know, working as bartenders during the summer or were like coaching a bunch of, of sports to keep it together. My parents never did that. And I never actively noticed it. But then as I got older, I sort of started to think like, you know, this is different. Like where we live and the things we do, it's different than, than the other teachers and their kids. And it was only as I've gotten older that I sort of realized like, oh, like the reason that we were able to live on a lake is because my parents have never paid a heating bill because they heat our house with wood that my dad chops He literally chops up dead trees on the acreage that they own. So they have never paid a single heating bill.
1: (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, they own the acreage. The tree is free. Like obviously you have to put in the labor, but also Minnesota heating bills are no joke. They are hundreds of dollars a month. So imagine over the course of 30 or 40 years, how much money they've saved by never, by never paying a single heating bill.
1: That is literally a hundred grand.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I, I I lived this stuff, but they never even honestly talked to me about money. They very rarely talked to me about money. They didn't say, you know, like this is how much we earn and this is how much our mortgage is. They don't, they didn't really talk about it. They just lived it. Um, and then when I got to college and I started making my own money and I started working, um, I sort of realized like, okay, well, if I want to live the life I want, I can't just go to gap and like buy a bunch of new clothes whenever I want to. I can't lease a car. Like I, I could theoretically do those things, but I'm not going to have any money left to travel or to do the stuff that I want. So I sort of started thinking about like, where can I make swaps? Where can I make sacrifices? What are things like I'm vegetarian, going out to eat does not hold a whole lot of excitement for me because yeah. why do I want to pay $15 for a salad? I could make at home. Um, So I sort of just sort of, I started looking at my life and thinking about what, I mean, to borrow the parlance of Marie Kondo, but like what purchases spark joy and which don't. And then I just stopped buying things that didn't make me happy.
1: Yeah. But you were also, you were like in another nation teaching English with like a budget or not a budget, but a salary that was just laughable
2: hmm yes and yes
1: all that it was like i was like oh my god i would have been i would easily have been like seventy thousand dollars in debt with every single credit card that i could possibly open opened up and maxed out in the same situation
2: mm-hmm. and and i would also say that it um the other good thing the one of the the blessings of travel is that no you know nobody lives the way we do in america like there are very very middle class families in europe who have one car or have zero cars. Um, there are middle-class families in Taiwan where the entire extended family lives in a three-bedroom house. Um, so I think also just seeing on a daily basis, like really living amongst people who thought about money and, and made different life choices based on it was, very, was, a, was a really important learning experience. Like not everybody needs a 3,000-square-foot home and three cars. In fact, um, <laughs> the environment and the climate would be a lot better if, if we didn't do that. Yeah. So I think just normalizing different life choices and seeing people being happy making life choices that were different than you know a lot of what I saw represented in um, American media was really important.
1: Beautiful. And did you always have a budget? Did you learn to budget? How did? Because that's like no, I
2: I literally don't have a budget. Okay. Like when people are like, "Tell me about what budgeting software you use," I I don't, um, and that's sort of advanced because all of these things that I'm talking about, like they are deeply internalized at this point. Mm. Like I, I know that it's better to shop, to go grocery shopping at Aldi's than at, at Aldi than at Whole Foods. Like I don't need a spreadsheet to tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I honestly, I don't have a, I don't use budgeting software. I don't have a spreadsheet. That is not what I would recommend for people who are like just entering the fray of, of personal finance. But once you put in that deeper work of, looking at your finances and looking at like where, what purchases are bringing me joy, which ones are regrettable? What bills can I negotiate down? How can I, how can I have a similar experience at a lower price point? Once you turn those into habits and once it sort of becomes part of your daily life for me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I, I do not ha- I do not have the need for, for a day to day budget.
1: And for people that hear that and they're like, ha ha, I do not need to have one either. Also, I'm $74,000 in debt.
2: (laughs) Yes, I would say if you have, like if you have, you know, mortgage debt and, and school debt, that's one thing. If you have credit card debt, that you um, incurred because of impulse spending, I would say that it is probably a good idea um, to use budgeting software. I highly recommend YNAB. You need a budget. Um, They're great if you find yourself in a situation where you need a budget. Um, But I think it is really, really, and you know, a lot of people resist it, but I think it's really important to do that deeper work because like, if you're just trying to manifest more money, which, you know, Side note, I have a lot of feelings about, Um, but if you're just trying to like manifest more money or like, you know, coupon clip your way out of debt, like, yes, it's important to have a positive mindset around money. And like, yes, it's important to try and find discounts, but none of that is going to help you if you're buying stuff to keep up with the Joneses. None of that's going to help you if you're shopping instead of feeling your feelings. So I know it's tempting to put a Band-Aid over it and think like, I can just like get out of this by bringing my lunch to work every day for five years. But, you know, it, it, it is actually much more effective to do the deeper work to figure out why you're buying that stuff to begin with, or how you can feel the way you want to feel at a different price point, preferably a lower price point
1: yes i love so much that so much of what you talk about in bank boost i completely disagree with your choices and i also honor them completely because you're like, <laughs> like like eating out doesn't really do it for me and i'm like eating out is
2: my favorite thing like, mm-hmm.
1: okay. and so but i'm like no that's perfect that i yeah. thing, you have your thing and yes it's so fantastic to be like there isn't any one way that you have to do it and this is the mm-hmm. world that, that is all i find that yeah really- it's
2: very customizable
1: So, um, to be honest, there was a time in my life when I was in massive credit card debt because Mm -hmm. it's fun to open credit cards in college.
2: (laughs) Yeah, oh, of course, yes. (laughs) And our brains are not fully developed when you're 20. So you're just like, yes, free t-shirt for a credit card, yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I had no idea how much money was in my bank account and I was scared to look. So for the people that are at that, like paralyzed by debt or fear or both, where do we begin to enter into, like, you're not going to die if you open your bank account and look at that number?
2: Well, I would say what I have found, and this applies to every aspect of life, is that um, action cures here, that you will, just knowing what, just knowing the information and taking action towards something immediately makes you feel better. And this applies, like, you are having health concerns, just scheduling the appointment will make you feel better. If you are, you know, feeling like you hate your job, just updating your LinkedIn resume will make you feel better. I know, you know, like feeling anxious about your money situation. Opening, you know, going onto Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank or whatever, and you know, spending five minutes looking at it, just taking the action will make you feel better. You know, it's. I think we have all had the experience that we, you know, will spend like two weeks putting something off. And then when we actually take action on it, it takes five minutes and we immediately feel better. Because also, like, when, when you're struggling with money, it's so emotionally draining. It's so hard. Um, there are all these messages about, like, how you should be about money. If you're not good at it, you're like this, you're like that. Um, and just taking action on it sort of keeps some of that negative self-talk at bay. Like, I'm an adult. I'm doing the thing that I know I should be doing. I'm keeping my promises to myself. So I would, you know, just like count down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 and go on to usbank.com or wherever and look at your stuff. I would also say, and this sounds sort of woo-woo, but like, don't do it on a Friday night with a messy kitchen table, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. like, like do it when you're in a decent headspace, you know, light a candle, clear off your desk, you know, wear something that you feel either comfortable or confident in. Don't, don't do it when you're already in a bad headspace. like spend the five minutes, like getting into a better headspace before you, before you open your bank statement. If you haven't done that in several months,
1: that's completely fair. And it's also impossible to make a plan if you don't know what, yes,
2: doing. yes. You can't, you can't plan a trip if you don't know where you're going.
1: Right. So, um, Part of why i love what you talk about is that you do the opposite of suzy orman and bank boost to talk about scaling back in unnecessary places and sparking joy that's fantastic and mm. there's also this other piece about earning more money creatively yes so that's that's like the the bang for my buck i was like fuck this scaling back thing like i remember
2: <laughs> yeah it's not it, it's like if you do both of them great if you even just do one of the two things that we focus on, you're going to get incredible results.
1: Yeah. So I remember having a conversation with Hanani, who's my business partner at the time. And she was like, we need to talk about your Starbucks spending. And I was like, how much more do I have to earn per month to never have this conversation again?
2: Yes. Like, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I can't, I just can't. Um, so when if people, and they're like, Oh, you mean start a business, earn money creatively. Can you talk a little bit about, some options that are available that are not like, oh, yes, oh, yes. start a side hustle that's going to take all your time and energy for the next 10 years.
2: Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that I always try to emphasize about bank boost is it is not just for online business owners. It is for everyone. We've had people who are public school teachers who are social workers, like people with totally normal nine to five jobs have really great results with bank boost. So it is not just something where I'm going to be like, you're an online business owner and create a new product and then sell it. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, We have sort of a set of steps that we work through because there is money hiding all over your life. And so there are different ways you can access it, depending on, depending on the reality of how you earn money, if you have kids or not, if you have a partner that you support, what your sort of mental and physical health situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about like, is there a skill set that you have that you can monetize? And to to think, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, like, I'll like, you know, I know how to do spreadsheets because that's what I do at my job. But we all have skill sets that are not that maybe we used to do or things that we're not just naturally good at. Like I'm a good cook. I'm good at cooking for groups. If somebody wanted me to cook for their like, you know, graduation open house, I could do that. I was an ESL teacher for years. I can do one-on-one tutoring. Um, I am a pet owner. I can very happily walk people's dogs. Uh, I have a good, I'm very clean and organized. I could organize people's closets. So not just your professional skill set, but the things that you're good at, how can you monetize skills that you already have? What things do you own that you could monetize? Like, could you Airbnb out your spare room? Could you drive Lyft? Um, What other things do you already own that are not really being monetized? Um, I know some people who live in huge cities who they have maybe, like, let's say a two car garage and they only use one stall. You can rent out the other. You can rent out the other stall, clean it out, and rent it out to your neighbor who's sick of parking on the street. There are lots of things that we are already paying for, we already own that could be monetized um also if you a lot of us sort of we can like rescue money so like can you negotiate your bills down do you have like insurance claims that you haven't submitted do you have business expenses that you haven't submitted um are there monthly memberships that you're not using that you should cancel um those things can be really successful um and then also just like i think it's important to know yourself and know um, what works for you? Some people who've done Bank Boost um, have discovered that they are fantastic at selling things on Poshmark and they love it and they're great at it. Some people tried Poshmark and said, You know, like, I'm not a self starter. I don't want to do this. I do much better. Like, I got a part time job at a coffee shop. Um, so it, it really depends. It, it helps to know yourself and know what works for you. Also, we talk about if you are in a situation where you're job hunting, make for sure that you're you, you never take the first offer. You should always ask for more. Like if you're not, you know, sweating through your shirt when you quote, um, how much you want them to pay, you're not asking enough. So it's a lot of, it's sort of like a variety of steps that we work through because I want to make for sure that this, everyone will find something helpful in this information, regardless if you work a nine to five or you're self-employed or you're retired, there's something there for everybody.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like, you're smart and you know things.
2: (laughs) Yes, it's true. Good.
1: Um, so if you were like, okay, the thing that every person needs to do, even if they hate doing it is when it comes to money, do you have a thing that's like, everyone avoids this. And if you just start here, you will feel better.
2: Oh God. Well, I would say the first thing you need to do is, um, make a habit of looking at your, um, your bank account online and your credit card. Um, make a habit of looking at those at least once a week. Um, not only because you want to check for fraudulent charges, but you also just want to like have a working knowledge of like, okay, I know that my credit card bill is going to be in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred dollars, and I know that in my you know savings account I have in the neighborhood of three grand. Like, you don't need to know like down to the penny, but you you want to make for sure that you have like a working knowledge and you're not getting charged erroneous fees. You're not, you know, no one stole your information. Um, Some other like quick and dirty things that I would suggest are turn off your, um, your overdraft, your overdraft protection. It's like, that sounds like overdraft protection. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, But really what that means is that if you don't have enough money in your savings account, they will let you purchase things and then charge you overdraft fees. Um, But if you turn it off, yeah. I know, and it sounds like overdraft protection. That sounds so positive. Mm-hmm. But really, all they're doing is you're giving them permission to like process a payment that you can't afford and then charge you $30 for it. Um, and as a side note, Wells Fargo, who is the actual worst, and none of us should be banking with them. Uh, oh, I lost you. Money in, or you should stop buying stuff. Awesome. Okay.
1: So basically all the things are scary to do. And, um, when you talk about the deeper work, what do you wish that every person listening could internalize about their money habits?
2: Um, I would say that I, I want everybody to know that, The vast majority of us have screwed up relationships with money. So if you have, if your relationship with money is not what you want it to be, you are not alone. Um, there are actually lots and lots of parallels between um, spending and eating. Um, they're both numbing activities. They're both very, very emotionally charged activities. They are both things that are really fraught with like misplaced morals and values. Um, And even though we have moved into an area of like body neutrality and body positivity and like, and not, you know, placing morals on food, we have not done the same thing with spending it with money. Mm -hmm. So any, if you're, if you're struggling with money, you're not alone. It's totally normal. Um, And I would say, and this sounds counterintuitive, but I think the, the biggest and most important work you can do is figuring out what makes you, what actually makes you happy because the vast majority of us are, our spending and our happiness does not align. And if you can make your spending and your happiness align, you probably need a lot less money than you think you do.
1: Awesome. And how, um, at the opposite end of that, like my relationship with money is ruined. And, uh, how do you know when someone is financially healthy? Is there anything they consistently do or any habits that are like, oh, they've got it together actually?
2: Um, well, I would say people who spend with intention. Like you can be a millionaire and have a healthy relationship with money and you can be a millionaire and have a terrible relationship with money. Um, If you are using money to solve emotional problems, you do not have a relationship. You do not have a healthy relationship with money. I mean like, of course, like use money to pay for the therapist. um, But don't, but if you are shopping instead of feeling your feelings, you're not having a a healthy relationship with money. So I would say that if, if somebody um, is using money uh, in the way that it is sort of money, money is a tool. It's like electricity. It's not good or bad. Um, and if somebody is using it as a tool, um, and is using it, you know, with intention to buy things that make them happy to buy things that improve their life, they are not buying things to keep up with other people. They are not buying things out of a sense of obligation or like, you know, social standing, um, then they have, and, and they are living within their means and they are, you know, making savings goals, that will help them reach further goals, then they have a healthy relationship with money. But I know people who are literal millionaires who have terrible relationships with money.
1: Yeah. Like every NBA player ever.
2: Yes. Yes. People. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like most, a lot of professional athletes, a lot of people um, use it as almost a weapon, you know, like there are a lot of, (laughs) there are a lot of ways to screw up your relationship with money. Um, But I would say if you can use it from a place of intention to support the life that you want, um, and not buy things that you don't want and not buy things for the wrong reason, then then you're doing okay. Beautiful.
1: Well, how much is it and where do they go and get it? These
2: people. Um, Bank boost is a whopping $57. I get a ton of pushback on how low that price is, but whatever. I want to make things accessible. Um, It is $57. The next live enrollment is May 6th. um, And the last three times I've run it, it's sold out within four days. Um, So if you are listening and you are interested, I would encourage you to, to snap it up pretty quick. Um, If, you are listening and you didn't get into the live round, you can buy the book that the course is based around for $17, um, and then you will be the first to know next time we open a live enrollment.
1: Awesome, so I do have questions about that, because yes. I'm reading the testimonials, and mm-hmm. it's like, I paid off $11,000 in debt, and Sarah got $57. Like. <laughs> Yes. How is that fair to you? And to like, I just want to have a wider conversation about like, why are they so inexpensive and why are you doing? Yeah. Why, why?
2: Well, so something that I don't think that gets talked about uh, in online business a lot enough is that the average American household income is $54,000. That's household. That's not individual. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand the, uh, desire, uh, and the belief that, um, you know, like, oh, I should create a course that costs $1,500. I should create a course that costs $2,000. Um, but I think that people who have issues with money should not be buying courses that cost 1500 or $2,000. <laughs> That's probably why, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think part of that is like the specific market that I'm working with, And I want, like, I specifically want to create things that are accessible for this population. And even at this price point, even at $57, um, a lot of former participants purchase sponsorship spots for future students, because every time I run it, people message me and say, like, I can't afford this. Do you have a sponsorship? Do you have a scholarship? Um, So, and, like... You know, there there are certainly some people who have simply, you know, not pri- are not prioritizing their financial health and have spent money elsewhere and could truly, absolutely afford it. But there, I mean, like, I had people who came in, th- you know, like, they didn't have, like, they were a stay-at-home mom and their husband just lost their job. Or, like, they were a grad student, a PhD candidate, you know, who had been living on, like, a $20,000 stipend and they were just entering the academic, um, you know, trying to find jobs in academia, which is impossible. Like there, there were a lot of people who legit could not afford $57. Um, So I think I want to price things at a way that people can, can access them. And also like, I'm doing, I'm doing just fine financially. (laughs) Like I, like I live in a nice neighborhood. I drive a car that I like. I travel internationally two to four times a year. (laughs) Like I, I am not, lacking for for income so i feel like if i am earning the amount that i need to earn to support the lifestyle to which i've become accustomed like why can't i pass that on to other people like i don't need to earn more money for the sake of like flexing on instagram and saying like i earned seven figures this year um So I think that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of what it is. And, and also like from a strictly like logistical standpoint, it is much harder to convince people to buy a $2,000 product than it is to convince people to buy a 15, a $57 product. And so when, when you sell a $57 product with amazing testimonials like that, there, there's no launch strategy. You just open it up and it sells out. You know what I mean? So it's like easier for me.
1: Yeah, you do have a staff of 14 people answering questions.
2: No, no. It's me sending out an email saying Bank Boost is open and then it sells out. And then I go through the process of leading these people through it. And I've, you know, I've taught Bank Boost. This will be my fourth time. I love it. It's easy for me. It's not a ton of work. I make a nice income off of it Mm -hmm. and I do work that I'm proud of at a price point that make people that turn people into just like voracious fans. Like every time I run it, I have alumni coming through because it's an amazing product at a fantastic price point.
1: It's actually uh, so the week next week on the podcast, I'm having uh, my coach bear a bear talk about like ways around capitalism and alternatives and defining enough and, and feeling really good in your business. And so that, lines right up with if you make the two thousand dollar product sarah Von Bergen, you will require staff and launch strategy and funnels and planning and shiny things and yeah statistics and logistics and like all that like that does come with a bunch of stuff that's like do you want that stuff to go with it or do you have enough? or
2: yes or i can just like use like every time i run bank boost i update the ebook you know i add like a few more pages based on epiphanies that we had mm-hmm. but you know like it's an ebook and like, I think seven emails, a Facebook group and face and like three or four Facebook lives and that's it. And I make, you know, five mm-hmm. figures off of it every time I launch it and it gets amazing results for people and they won't stop talking about it because, oh my God, if I bought a $57 product that, I mean, I do, I, every time I do bank boost, I go through it myself and I haven't stopped earning money off of my last bank, but like the things that I did personally to bring in more money. During the last round of bank boost, I'm still bringing in money from the last bank boost. So,
1: I love that so, so much. And you do that with habit school too. You're like, this is what yeah. I'm forming. And I'm like, damn it, Sarah, your shit is so together.
2: Damn it. <laughs> well, also because I know myself well enough to know that I like need that accountability mm-hmm. and I need, it also brings me joy. Like it's fun to do it alongside people. I just work from home by myself all day. Like it's fun to check in with everybody else and be like, Oh, you know, like how's, how's the meditation habit going? Cause here's my habit chart for what I'm doing.
1: It's so good. And it's so refreshing and lovely. And you are lovely. Oh, thank Uh, you. So I will have links to all of the things in all of the places. Is there anything that you wish I had asked or mentioned or talked about or just generally paid more attention to?
2: No, I don't think so. You are a great interviewer as always.
1: Well, thanks. Then can we talk specifically, because we have like three minutes, about um, when you were like, just wish for more money, just manifest more money. You are like, I have feelings. I also have
2: feelings. Can we talk about that? Yes. Yes. So like, I, I totally understand and acknowledge, like, it is important to have a positive mindset around money it is good not to navigate every single, you know, decision in your life from a, from a place of lack, you know, like visualization. Great. <laughs> like all of those things. Great. Um, but like, you know, tapping on your temples and repeating that you deserve abundance. Th- that is not going to help you stop buying throw pillows. that you don't need it target. And also <laughs> as a side note, Uh, Let's talk about like the patriarchy and institutionalized racism. So like that manifestation doesn't do anything with the gender pay gap. It doesn't do anything with the race pay gap. Like there's a meme that I think we've all seen, which is did you manifest it or is it white privilege?
1: Yes. Yes. It's so, it's so, so, so disturbing in so many ways.
2: Yeah. And also I think that there's sort of our, our mutual friend Catherine North talks about how um, if you, you know, the, the idea about the law of attraction is, you know, like attract the good things into your life. But then the reverse of that is if something bad happens to you, you did something to bring it on yourself. So like if you are, you know, freelancing and you don't have good health insurance, health insurance and you slip on some ice and you, break you know a bone and now you're in medical debt uh you didn't manifest correctly like the law of attraction states you brought this on yourself which yeah. is
1: bullshit yes and it, it's even worse if you're like okay so the kids um that i sponsor at flying kites in africa that are just the it's systemic poverty throughout the entire nation they're just not manifesting right Yeah. Uh, yes right? Like, oh, well, if they would just sit and manifest better. Like,
2: yeah.
1: It doesn't go anywhere good or interesting.
2: Yes. Like, and again, like there is absolute value in figuring out what you want, figuring out what you want, being open to n- different opportunities to figure out how to get it, being positive, talking about what you want. Like all of those things are absolutely important. Mm-hmm. And I know that those are all sort of aspects of the law of attraction and manifesting, but like the thing where like there are so many other forces at play that affect our financial lives outside of, you know, did I visualize correctly that I want a side by side mid century duplex that hasn't been flipped in Highland park. Like there, there's a lot of other stuff going on other yeah. than me manifesting that.
1: Yes. And that's a, that's a beautiful sort of starting and ending place for the conversation to be like, Oh yes, of course this relates to white privilege. Cause everything eventually does. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, fantastic
1: so everybody go get it it's magnificent you know this you love sarah by now go do the thing i know you don't want to and go do it anyway
2: and people i should also say that people very regularly tell me i'm surprised by how fun this was i'm surprised by how easy this was it's really lovely the the group is incredibly supportive it, i swear to god it's fun I, I know i know you don't believe me i swear to god it's fun
1: good good so go buy it everybody you find- we wouldn't have to walk to the store. After that delightful conversation, here's what I need you to know. During the last bank boost, which I did with Sarah, and for which I am not an affiliate, I made a magical product and then failed to share it because I was talking about KK on tap everywhere. So here we go. It is called Sales Boost. Like bank boost, but sales boost. See, I sold that from Sarah, and I did it. I'm telling you right now, I did it. Um... <laughs> So if you've ever been like, I don't know why this thing isn't selling or these things aren't selling, uh, it's Bear and I team up. He secret shops your website and then looks at your sales copy. I do the same. You fill out a massive questionnaire and then you get on the phone with both of us to talk about what are you doing well? What could be done a little better? Where can you um, change some things? Where can you switch some things up? Add some calls to action? Just generally sell more effectively. And the reason for that is because we are really bad at looking at our own stuff. We go like blind to our own sales process and sales pages and shops and all of those things. So if you're an online business owner or you are starting out and you're like, I don't know how to to get people to buy things, um, this would be a super great place to start. And if you're like, why would I do this with you and with Bear? Uh, Bear's a DJ that's had about 920 something weddings at this point. Um, he's incredibly, and he's, you know, obviously he's had to sell to each and every one of those brides. He's also the manager of a seven figure entertainment company. And so he is selling all day, every day when he is not out there, uh, being a DJ. So yeah, he's good at things and we come at it from the, uh, the masculine and the feminine perspective. So there, there's advice that he gives that I'm like, ah, it's too far. And there's advice that he gives. that's like, actually, that's really good based on who you are and what you like to do. So kristenkelp slash sales dash boost or there is a link in the menu that says get a sales boost. There are three spots. It's completely introductory, it's an experiment, and those spots are five ninety nine. And if you're like, but why would I do that? Like think about it. <laughs> think about if a sales boost makes you five ninety nine, that's really not that big of a deal for most online business owners to be able to be like, "Oh, you fixed the thing. It was broken and now it's fixed." So, go check it out again, slash sales boost There are three spots. Do I know if there will be more? No, I don't. So, go check it out, look at it. Um and again, go to uh, yesandyes.org to check out Bank Boost with Sarah as well. I will see you next week. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars,
0: if I had a million dollars, I'd be rich.